lot of you don't even care, but, uh, <laughs> but that, that's okay. Um, man, this is our first time back here since January 28th, yeah. and I was here last time, which is kind of crazy, and uh, a couple weeks ago, there was a big group, I think about 70 of you that went yeah. to the net retreat, like in Brown County, what's up? Heard it was an incredible time. I love the video that was posted, pictures, hearing some really cool stories out of that. So um, if, you were he- if you were at that, welcome back. If you weren't, ask people about it. They'd love to tell you as we look forward to what that's going to look like in the, in the coming years. Um, and so, but is anybody with me? Anybody get weirdly into the Winter Olympics? Anybody? Or like, you're ashamed to admit it, but you're like, yeah, I watched some of that stuff. Uh, I, I, I'm unashamed. Um, I'm, I'm not a big Winter Olympics guy, but it's like, wow, that's a sport. Like, <laughs> like uh, to be honest, like, sledding as a kid, I always thought it was super cool. Like, there was this golf course nearby, and, like, we'd sneak on there, and they always, golf courses always had these cool hills, so we'd go down and we'd fly, go sledding. But then there was somebody who was like, I should do this as a professional. And so they're on a bobsled team, which is pretty cool. Uh, cool Runnings, one of my favorite movies. What up? Product of the 90s. Holler. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. So check out Cool Runnings. Um, but anyways, on the bobsledding team, you guys know what I'm talking about. It's like the sled, bobsled, okay? Um, there's four pe- There's the four-person bobsled. Have you seen this? And then, so they're all like this, and they're running on the different sides, and there's all these different handles. And, but what I found out is like one bobsledder stands out amongst the rest. There's a guy in front who is called the pilot, not the driver of the sled, the pilot. And so when it says like Germany gold medal, it just says the pilot's name, nobody else's name. I'm like, what about that guy? What about the guy in the back who got him off to a good start and then like hopped in and like was like, I'm out of space. But, uh, (laughs) but but so there's a different role to play. Have you ever seen The Skeleton? The one where they go head first? Just one person on their stomach head first, going like 85 miles an hour or something ridiculous. It's amazing. And then there's the luge, the loser, one who luges. Um, you go on your back, and that, that looks pretty, pretty neat too. Um, and then there's the curling team. Yes. So my wife described it this way. She was like, it's like shuffleboard on ice mixed with bowling. And do you notice when they, you, you guys have seen curling? Okay, they get down, and the person who's like rolling the rock, they call it a rock, right? Um, or a stone, what do they call it? Stone. A stone, sorry, Nolan, my bad. <laughs> Didn't watch that much, okay? But uh, so they have like the broom that they like glide with, the gliding broom, which is great. And then there's just one person there that's like, yeah, in any language, Russian, German, English, the Canadian version of English, and you're like, was it that, is it a heavy stone? I don't know, but they're like, and then they've got the brooms, and uh, that's neat, Um, and it's pretty cool, and everyone has a role to play. I I would love to be the yeller, okay, Um, but you know, just like in the bobsled, there's like the person that's at the front and there's the people that just hop in and their name isn't on there. They still get a medal, which is cool, but their name's not flashed up there like, wow, this pilot is amazing. How could he take this team to victory? I don't know. 
and neither do any of us, because all they did was get in the sled with him. But um, in our lives, there are times when we get to play like really important roles, right? There are times when we get to be like the face or the name or like it's about us. And then there are other times where we are kind of the guy that's in the back of the bobsled and we're just a teammate and we're just there to help somebody else shine. And uh, I recently watched No Shame, okay, shame-free zone. Adam told me this is a kind group. I saw The Greatest Showman yesterday. Um, And let me tell you, seeing Wolverine sing was just doing things to my mind. And then Zac Efron comes back, and I'm like, just stop, dude, just stop. Go away. High School Musical was like 20 years ago or something. You're like, oh, I love him. He was so great. Him and Selena, what happened? Um, Was that Selena Gomez? Wasn't she in there? How did she get her big break? Is that a different girl? Somebody else tell me after. I don't want to know right now. Maybe they'd be a great couple. Um, Anyways, don't tell Justin. Uh, So anyways, that derailed. But Greatest Showman. Wolverine is the singing circus master, and it is pretty neat. It's pretty neat. Great show tunes, love a good song, stomp your feet, whatever, clap your hands. Um, And then, like, so that would be cool to do, but then I'd go back to my, like, show years in uh, high school. I was in a musical. First year, Beauty and the Beast, cast as Lumiere, the candlestick. No big deal. No big deal. But I had to quit. Because I had soccer and all this stuff, so I became the librarian. So I went from everyone being like, wow, you're the candlestick to, you're the librarian. You have one scene. At the beginning, Beauty and the Beast, ladder slides across, you don't even remember. It's pretty boring. But the candlestick, hey, singing songs. It was cool to have that important role. My junior year of high school, taking it back a notch, um, again, I was supposed to be like our leading scorer. I was supposed to be this big-time striker. I had all these college coaches coming to see me, and our first game was against the number one team in the state. And when you're 17 years old, that's a big deal. That's your life. College coaches are coming to see me score goals. You know what my high school coach says? Hey, someone got hurt in warm-ups. And they have this really, really, they have this all-state forward that I need somebody I trust to, to play defense on them. So instead of playing striker in front of all these big-time scouts that are coming to watch you play, I'm going to ask you to play left back. And I was like, yeah, might as well play left out. That's stupid. But the role I wanted to play had changed. But there are times for the sake of the team you have to play a role that you didn't want to play. And in a similar way, that's the function of the body of Christ. Where Christ is the star... He is the showman. He is the one in charge. He is the star of the team, the star of the show. He's the one that it's all about. And we get to participate. We get to play alongside of him. We get to be his teammates. We get to have a job, a role, a function to play. And so we're going to talk about that today in Ephesians chapter 4. So regardless of how long you've been a Christian, regardless if you're searching for God still, Regardless of your background or your Bible knowledge or your mistakes that you made earlier today or two years ago, 
regardless of what's going on in your life right in these moments, God is saying, I'm inviting you into this story, my story that's already taking place around you. Now, are you going to play a part or not? And he's giving us chance after chance after chance to be in the game, to play, to make much of him. You know, when you go to watch a, a movie or go to a musical or watch a sport, it can become very obvious if there's someone who's trying to be selfish or take the spotlight or the limelight. And that's not the function that we're to play is to steal anything from God that belongs to him or glory or attention that goes to him. But we get to join him in what he's already doing. And so I want to read to us Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. This is the passage that we're going to be in tonight. It says this, now there are gifts Christ gave to the church. And I'm going to give some definition around these, so don't worry about you know, some of these spooky terms that you're not sure what they mean. Okay, we'll, we'll get into that. It says, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors or shepherds and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Alex, go ahead and keep that passage up there as I'm going to talk a little bit more about this. So this is a passage that I have been wrestling with this last year. This is a passage that as I talk to people in our church friends of mine, people are saying, what is my role right now to play? What's my job? What's my function? What's my calling? And I can't think of a more appropriate time in life than in your 20s or your, your late teens to be thinking about such things. God, what do you want me to do with my life? What do you want me to do, not just in the future, but right now? What are the spaces and the places that you have put me in to be your hands and feet? I think all of you have made some sort of decision tonight to say, I want to I be better. <laughs> I want to grow. I want to be more like Jesus. That's why I'm coming into this place. For whatever reason, whatever drew you in, there is something in you that says, I want a little bit more. I want to do something for God. I want to learn something more and apply it to my life. And I don't want us to just think about categories or labels and say, I'm just going to do this. And then you get your mind set on it that you're supposed to teach millions of people around the world. Maybe you will. Maybe you'll be the next Billy Graham, who was celebrated and remembered his life that honored God this past week. Maybe you will be that person. Maybe you will be that person that goes and takes the gospel to a country that nobody's ever heard of and translate the Bible. I have friends that I grew up with that go, they're doing that. They're translating the Bible for the first time into a, a, a written language in this tribal country. Amazing. Maybe some of you are just saying, I want to know how to live more like Jesus in my dorm room. Or I just want to learn how to, what does it mean to be Christ-like and live in an apartment complex? Or maybe uh, when I go to work, and I know that there's certain rules that I can't, and lines I can't cross while I'm on the job or on the clock, but what does it mean to embody Christ and my actions and words, how will people know that something's actually different? 
What about in the classroom? What about when people go out on Friday night? How does that look? What does that feel like? What does that taste like? What does God want us to do to be a part of his church in those scenarios and in those settings? What is that? How do I do adult life in my 20s that honors God? And so I hope that in this passage, as we look at this and as we break this down, that there'd be some things that maybe don't provide all those answers, but get you thinking in a different way. That when you leave this place, you'll be thinking, how could I be more intentional here? How can I be the body of Christ in this part of my life? How can I be the body of Christ in this part of my life that maybe you've been blocking away? We all do it, right? There are people and there are situations where you let your guard down, that you can be intentional with, that you're going to talk about Christ with, that you're going to uh, bring something up that's going on in your life, and then there's other people where you, that wall's just up for some reason. And for some of you, that's even some of your closest friends. What's up with that? Why is it that way? How can we start to see where God has put us already as places and spaces that he's empowered us to do ministry. So let me pray, and we're gonna get into this some more. God, thanks for tonight. Thank you for what you're gonna do through, in and through your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide us, guide our time. God, show us in your word these timeless truths that ministered to people 2,000 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 500 years ago, and two weeks ago and churches around the world. God, I pray that we would see what you have for us as individuals, for us as a collective group, as the net, and for us as an extension of the ministry of Connection Point and ultimately to glorify your name. So guide us in this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the important thing to note here is it says these are gifts Christ gave to the church, but he himself embodied these as he walked the earth. As Jesus Christ walked on this earth for 33 years, he embodied what it meant to be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, shepherd, and teacher. He himself embodied that. And there's some spooky words here, and there's some theological stuff we're going to have to sort through, but we're not going to get lost in that, okay? Now, the word apostle sounds kind of, it's not an everyday term, okay? And so there's this thing called an office of apostle. We're not going to get into that necessarily, but more this function. What does the function of this apostolic mindset and heartbeat mean? And for some of you, you're like, you lost me, bro. Stay with me. We'll break it down here. Basically, what this means is this is the, in the Greek, it means the sent one. The one who is sent to this area, to this community, to this space, to this place. And so for each and every one of us, how can we be thinking about where God is sending us? Or God maybe has already sent you, but you haven't allowed him to be there with you. Okay? So for some of you, where, where do you do life? The co- a coffee shop? Some of you frequent Starbucks, I know that. Senia. Or Quills or something like, you know. Or a different place. I can't remember your stuff, Corey. I'm sorry right now. But Corey's got some cool coffee stuff going too. Talk to him later if you're into coffee. Um, no big deal. Uh, but like, where are you going? Where do you spend your time? Kessler, Casey, in the gym, what's up? Get swole, swole city, okay? If you need a lifting partner, those guys are right there for you. They will spot you and hopefully not laugh at you. But but no, like, in the gym. 
I cannot tell you. Now, you may laugh, but I do go to the gym four days a week. No big deal. Um, and there are people I see there that I haven't seen in years. Boom. Opportunities. Right there in front of you. When you go to Starbucks, when you go to your campus, when you go to your job, when you live with that roommate that you really wish wasn't your roommate, where has God already put you? He's not asking you necessarily to figure out this big sending thing. You know, there's times for that where maybe God will send you overseas or to, you know, start a certain kind of ministry or whatever, but right where you're at, even thinking through, God, how, why have you sent me here? Who have you sent me to that's already in this space around me? For some of you, you're saying, I need to go and do ministry in the gym like it's never been done before. I need to do something different that's not happening. For some reason, you have this entrepreneurial spirit that God has put into you for some reason that you're going to do business different, that you're going to run a coffee company differently, that you're going to run uh, your adverti- advertising and social, marketing, your social networking company differently than anybody else to glorify God. How is that going to happen? Why is that inside of you? Why do you think that way? There's this French translation of the word apostle that actually means envoy, and I love that. We're moving somewhere. We're sent somewhere on purpose with intention, with a mission. The people of this mindset and of this disposition before God, they ensure that faith is transmitted from one generation to the next. Let me say that again. From one generation to the next. And so my question to you is not what are you handing, what's being handed down to you from the generation before you, but what are you handing down to the generation coming behind you? What's coming after you? There's a lot going on in our world, and you know this. These last two weeks, Parkland, other stuff like that, it has been, it's been tough to think through, to talk through, to pray through. Like, what is coming behind us in this next generation, and what are you giving to them? What model are you setting? How are you inspiring them right now today? Not when you're 40, not when you have kids, not when you're a 60-year-old. But right now, I think about, um, and, and I, the nostalgic part just comes out in me when I'm here because I've known Adam for like 20 years, which is super weird. It makes me feel really old. Some of you are like, I'm only 20. How'd you know him? Were you babies together? No, we were not babies together. I'm getting old. Um, but listen, I can remember a day and a time six years ago where this wasn't even in our heads yet of what this would look like in here. We were thinking and we were praying through, man, there's, we gotta bridge the gap. We have not done a good job handing the church to the next generation. And six years later, lots of prayers answered, fulfilled, and many more to go. But there was a group of people, even long before I was here, who were thinking through and praying through what that could look like. And here we sit today, literally sitting on the foundations of prayers of the generation before you, some of which were 60 years old, some of which were 40 years old, some of which were just a few years ahead of you. And when I think about Adam as somebody going and doing a new thing, when when I met him a long, long time ago, Adam was always up to new crazy ideas, okay? This is what made him so great when he started a college ministry in our hometown 
you know, years and years ago. That's why when, when they said, we need to bring somebody here, who's the first person that comes to mind? I'm like, here's someone who's willing to take a risk and go do this on two college campuses. And he lived in like this weird, like you have to ask him sometime about the like castle apartment. It was really weird. It was like this really tiny apartment, but it looked like an old school castle. Really strange, got creepy vibes when I went in there, not gonna lie. But here we are. Here we are. Who are those people in the generation beside you and behind you? And what are you doing to pioneer and to inspire new ideas for the sake of God's kingdom? And so for some of you, what does that practically look like? I'm not saying you got to sign up for this, but think about it. Have you thought about starting some sort of group, Bible study, or something on your campus, in the place that you live, with a group of people, in your gym, in the school that you work at? How are you leveraging and participating in God's kingdom in, in the ways in which you do your work? Does it clock in and then my Christian life starts when I leave? I don't see that verse in the Bible. It's not there. You can look through. What does that look like? To let the Holy Spirit lead and guide every aspect and component of your life. This is something we are all seeking to strive towards. We have not arrived not one of us. Then there's another spooky word, prophets. And I want to talk about this a little bit. You know, in, in the Old Testament, there was prophets, and they served a certain kind of function. They were about proclaiming the arrival of Christ. These cues, these warning signs, and God would like give them a direct word audibly and in different ways and all kinds of things. That's when we think of prophets of the Old Testament, that's what we think about. And I'm not saying that that isn't the case today. We're not going to go there right now. But I do want to show us what we do see a lot of in the New Testament when this word is used, when it's broken down to its bare function. These are people who know God's will. These are people who are so in tune with God. They, 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 you know that they're like people, you know, sometimes you're like, man, I read my Bible once this week. I'm doing awesome. You know, you're like, I'm killing it. Spent some quiet time with Jesus, used my Bible app, and then they like come in and they're like, yeah, when I was just like soaking in God's word, listening to Hillsong for like two hours, God just made these things clear. And you're like, where do you get that kind of time just to like sit and talk with God? Like, that sounds pretty cool. Anyways, um, these are those kind of people, <laughs> those people that you know that they've like talked with God today. You know what I'm talking about? People that you are drawn to, that you want to talk to, that you want to seek their advice. People who know God, they know his word, and they have wisdom to share. These are people who don't want to move quickly. They don't want to, you know, when you're like, okay, this is going on. This is crazy. Tell me what to do. I'm thinking I should do this. And they're like, just stop. Don't do anything. You're sounding kind of crazy right now. Relax. Take a breath. Let's pray. Let's talk about it. And you're like, no, 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 no. I got to do that. And you're like, no, no, just hold on a minute. Let's think through the situation. And you're like, wait, am I in trouble? Did I just get in trouble by my friend who's two years younger than me? <laughs> wait, what is going on here? These are those people, those people that have some wisdom. You know they've met with God. You know that they have something to offer you. That's why you go to them. You know they have some sort of perspective that you don't. These are people who question the status quo. These are people who push in a little bit, and it makes people feel uncomfortable. 
These are people who might be prayer warriors. These are people who are John 15 kind of people. You know, people who are abiding and resting in Christ. I know you talked a lot about those concepts of rest while you're at the retreat. People who are John 15 people who are resting in God and his truth and in his word. And they're not in a hurry. They don't have an agenda other than to be concerned with what's going to honor God the most. Some of you are those kind of people in here. Some of you are growing to become more and more like that for the sake of the body of Christ. And I want to tell you that the people in this room need you to push in and grow in that area. They need people. We all need people that we can go to, that we can lean into for wisdom, people that we can lean into for grace, people we can lean into to inspire us. These are important people in our lives. And some of you are going to develop and grow in your walk with Christ and become these people for somebody else. I don't know Kessler that well, but I'm sure that there have been people who've been that for him, and that's why there are people who are drawn to this guy. Because they know he has something to offer them, not of himself, but from God. Jesse, when I first met Jesse, and some of you don't care about Jesse, but I, you know, he, he shaved up, so I'm going to talk about him. When Jesse first came in here, he's a different person than he is today. There are some of you that wouldn't know that. There are some of you who you've, you've been drawn to him to seek things and wisdom and encouragement. But years ago, when he walked in here, he wasn't quite that person yet. And so we need people to continue to step and become that, not just for the sake of this ministry or for just for the sake of Connection Point, but for the sake of God's kingdom. And then there's this next, next one called the evangelists. Now, I'm not just talking about like people who have a big platform or stage and are preaching everywhere. These are people who are recruiters to the cause of the kingdom of God. They're recruiters to God's kingdom. They're saying, come on, come with me. Come join me. Spend some time with me. They're infectious. Doesn't mean that they're outgoing. Doesn't mean that they're extroverted. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But they're recruiters to the cause that say, come with me. Come do this with me. And maybe it's in a setting like this, in a, a platform where they're teaching, but maybe it's in your living room or at Starbucks or in small group or in a classroom. People that just inspire you. They're infectious for some reason. But in a, in a, in a great way, they have a way of unpacking and explaining the good news. These are people who... When you go out and you're like, can we just spend time with us? We haven't all hung out in a while. And they like know everybody in the restaurant or they know everybody at Starbucks or wherever it is. And they're like somehow connected to that person in some way. And they end up spending 10 conversations and you see them like praying for them. And you're like, what the heck is going on? I was just trying to talk about like NBA, who's going to make the playoffs or uh, bachelor winter games. I don't know. Um, nobody watches that. I know. Did you guys see that? It's like, if you have The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, why do you need these winter games? This is silly. Um, I'm going to go watch Bobsled. Uh, pivot! Um, anyways. A couple people got that. Anyways. Uh, but these people are consumed with the outsider being included. That's what these people are about. They're saying, this person's been left behind. I think about um, the parable of the lost sheep. 
where Jesus himself is telling the story, this parable of a shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep who need guidance and direction and goes and finds the one lost wayward sheep. These are the recruiters, the evangelists, recruiters to the cause. We need that. We need that in this room. We need people who are going to recruit people to the cause of the kingdom of God in the places that you do life, where you work, where you have fun. How are you going to be that person? I know this. People don't, I don't know a ton of people that hate Luke Briggs. I'm serious. Like, Luke is somebody, when I walked into the room today, that he had something encouraging to me to say. And I'm like, I want to be around somebody like that. I want to be around somebody who I don't necessarily know that well, but he was like, hey, I really appreciate, I think it's awesome that you're here tonight to help us out. And I'm like, he doesn't have to say that. This message could totally suck. It could be a total waste of his time. But he, t- he went out of his way and said, said something, I, I want to be around somebody like that. Somebody infectious, somebody encouraging. And then we have this. We have the shepherds. Oh, this is, this term, pastor, shepherd, is kind of interchangeable here. A lot of different translations use those interchangeably. Oh, my goodness. The shepherds. There are people who are leading our small groups. There are people who are waking up before work. There are people in this room who are texting late at night. There are people who are praying for certain people in this room more than you would ever know. These are the shepherds. These are the caretakers. These are the overseers of the flock that are here to meet needs, to love, to help foster spiritual growth and maturity. And it doesn't mean you have to be 40. It doesn't mean you have to be 35. It doesn't mean you have to be 22. It means as an 18-year-old, a 20-year-old, a 27, whatever age, how can you be shepherding and giving care to God's flock, his people? It doesn't mean you have to have a title, but how can you function in a caregiving, comforting, encouraging way, giving the ministry of presence to be with somebody and not to be screwing around on your phone? Yeah. I'm there too. My wife's like, Stop. What are you even doing? I'm like, I don't know. Bleacher report, refresh. Did, there, did an NBA trade happen? She's like, the trade deadline's passed. Why do you know that? Because you told me that two weeks ago when you were looking at an article. But, um, <laughs> crap. I'm a loser. Uh, but when you think about this, Jesus embodied this as well. He's the good shepherd, John chapter 10. He cared for, he loved his disciples, who, for the record, probably didn't even have faith in him until he came back. And even then, one of them was like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, you talk about, dude, I just spent three years with you, and you're not sure who I am. You saw me do these miracles. You saw me go to the cross. Peter denies him. Peter's the one who's going to start the church. Like, we should rethink this, Lord. What's going on here? A shepherd is long-suffering, one who stays the course when nobody else wants to. Those times when you show up 
to have your small group and everyone bails and your small group is left there like, well, I had a fiesta plan tonight, but it looks like that isn't happening. Been there. Okay, it wasn't a fiesta. It was Taco Tuesday. Um, <laughs> these are the people that are going to just show up and be there. These are the people that when you have walked out of their life and said you want nothing to do with them and then you come back three months later, they're like, I'm here. When you're ready, I'm ready to talk. Yeah. I'm there for you. I've been praying for you. And you don't have to be older to do that for somebody, by the way. Okay? Most humbling experience of my life last year was spiritually mentoring a 73-year-old man. Yeah. And I'm like, you want to learn something about humility? I'm like, you have a lot of life, a lot of experience, a lot of wisdom. And he's like, but there's something you have that I need. And I'm like, uh, I hope I don't screw it up. And by God's grace, that's turned into a kind of a weird, awesome friendship with an old man. Um, <laughs> just say it. It's the body of Christ. I love it. And, uh, you know, but really, I mean, think about this. Jesus, Jesus's guys that he hung out with and invested in, he's, his small group, and then he had like those three people who were like, Peter, James, and John, they were like, elite, right? Like they were like really dialed in and they still didn't get it. And he stayed the course with them. Heck, he even died and came back and was like, all right, you, you good now? We cool? I'll see you. I'll see you in the rest of eternity. We need shepherds to nurture and protect. Nurture and protect each other. Nurture and protect the church nurture and protect this next generation coming up. And then we have the teachers. And I don't just mean someone who stands up here or in front of a room. Teachers understand and they explain things. Teachers are often great listeners because they know what they need to come up with next to help. They understand and they explain. They wait until you get it. <laughs> They'll talk about it even more. Jesus was a masterful teacher. And you know why Jesus was probably such a masterful teacher? Okay, touched by God a little bit differently, son of God, all that stuff. But he's a master teacher because he was always observing what was going on around him. He listened with his ears. He listened with his eyes. He saw the situation that was right there. So before he would give people something, he discerned what they needed. Zacchaeus in a tree, a little man. We're not going to get into that, those details, but everyone hated him. And Jesus is walking around. Hey, bro, get down from that tree. Little man in the tree, there's only one of you. Come down right now. <laughs> he knew who he was. Jesus was listening to the day of the culture. He knew that people did not, that people did not like this guy. He was observant with his, well, what was happening in this situation and why would this little guy get into the tree? It's because no one wanted him around. It, it would be courteous to give a shorter person a front row view of what was going on, but he couldn't get that. So Jesus was saying, okay, something's up here. I think this is the person I've mm, observed and heard about, and so I'm going to go over there. And then Jesus started to teach. Why do we know that he taught Zacchaeus something? It's because Zacchaeus was changed. He taught him something just by showing up. 
So sometimes listening to the room, listening to the situation, and then just being there is going to teach something that they never knew. But then there was times where Jesus was breaking down these truths and parables and speaking with the best of them and, 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 and inspiring and doing miracles. And he was teaching you through that. So whether it was a room of 5,000 or outdoors, 5,000 sitting on the rocks, um, or whether it was a room of 120 or 70 or 12 or 3, Jesus knew how to understand and explain things. They want to give out God's truth and God's wisdom, but only before they soak in what's going on in and around them. No one has ever been, like, really accused of listening too much, right? <laughs> Seriously. My wife's never like, dang, wish you wouldn't be such an active listener. <laughs> Man, really wish you would... Uh, be really caring and meet my needs more as a, as a friend. Like, nobody says that. To listen, to understand, so we can explain, so we can share something that people need. Church, Christ has in, entrusted these functions to the church, to the church, to the body of Christ, to the people of God. For all ages, all Christian churches in Indiana, in India, and around the world in your small group, what role do you need to play? For some of you, you need to be the nurturing, shepherding, caretaker of that group. For others of you, man, you need to recruit some people to your group. You have a role to play. You may not be the leader, but you've got a role to play, buddy. For some of you, you need to come in and you need to be, on, you need to be prayerful. You need to be so in tune with God's word so you have something wise to share with the rest of the group. What can you bring to this ministry? I know we recently we put some stuff on social media about, you know, we have a need for some worship production volunteers. We'd love to invite you into that. That's something that you can, uh, we'll have some people in the back that you can talk to afterwards. But that could, be a, that could be a role that you could play in this room and in this environment. We have a, a setup crew. I mean, this doesn't happen by itself. It's got to get reset. Coffee that gets made. There's a role that you could play. For some of you, your role is just like showing up to your small group, okay? Real talk. For some of you, it's showing up and participating and, and playing your part, praying for the people in your group, encouraging them. For some of you, it's, it's throughout the life of this church, the life of Connection Point. Maybe you, you're saying, okay, I know there's some people in this room that lead in our middle school uh, ministry and our, as a middle school small group leader. How are you going to hand things off to the next generation? There's one opportunity right there in the morning. How are you going to participate in your role and your function in Hendricks County, Marion County, Boone Counties? We have a, a, a Browns, Brown Elementary Bonanza. And when Bonanza is used, you pay attention because that is a cool thing. And it's a carnival and silent auction. Jess is going to talk about that later. That's a way that you can be in for our community and play a role right there. We all have a part to play. Ephesians 4, 15 through 16, it kind of ties it up this way. And it's not on the screens because I didn't give it to him. Here it is. Check it. Instead, 
We will, spend the tr- we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And so regardless of like you're signing up for something or not, here's three things I want you to take home with you. These are three things everyone in this room can do. The first one is this from that passage. You can speak the truth in love. So when you speak, which you will speak tomorrow and tonight, how are you going to do that? With truth and in love. Speak the truth in love. The second thing that is instructed here is grow in Christ-centered character. Grow. Grow in your character. I am drawn to people who are high in character, who have integrity, who I know love God, because they're going to pull me along with them. As they make those kind of little decisions each and every day to honor God and to have Christ forming their character, that's inspiring me. That's helping me on the days when it doesn't feel good to wake up and like be a pastor or do ministry or all these other things. These days when it doesn't feel good to wake up as a college student, to grind through your grad program, to work two jobs at night. Like, these are the people that when you see their character and how they love God and how they treat other people, it inspires you and moves you back to a place where you're thinking about God and how you can honor him. The third thing is this, help. Help the other parts grow. Help the other parts of the body grow. When when you have the courage to start a new ministry, guess what it does? It helps the rest of the body grow. Because somebody hears that story, somebody hears about some of the things going on at Marion University, and it encourages them, it gives them hope for what God is going to do at their school, or in their environment, or in their apartment complex. When you step out and you feel weird and you're like, I don't even know if they know my name or that they care about me. I had a high school, a former high school student of mine send me an email, and this is really nerdy. She took college credit for this this Bible class I taught for a university in the Old Testament a couple years ago, and she sent me an email and said, I just want to say thank you because the perspective that that gave me for a situation in my life and in the class I'm taking is like God is doing something in that right now. I'm like, wait, what? It was like a class on Leviticus, okay? (laughs) If you don't know what I'm talking about, just open it up. It's like, and on the third day of the temple feast, they sacrificed the bull. (laughs) They had three horns, you know? All right. Um, so somebody sending me an email, I was like, honestly, there were some things crazy this weekend. Um, and I got that email and I was like, wow, that was really encouraging for someone to go out of their way for me. Then you think about those times where you offer to pray for somebody or you tell somebody, hey, I've been praying for you. And you're like, is this going to be weird? And they're like, oh, let me tell you what's actually going on right now. Here's another way you can pray for me. When we step out and, you know, function in the role that God has asked us and invited us to play as he is the star of the story, God does something in that. God does something in holding the body together to function together, to operate properly, but it takes you stepping up, stepping out, doing something, saying something, encouraging someone. 
We'll end with this. What can you bring? What can you bring to this ministry right here? What can you bring to this church? What can you bring to this community where you live, where you work, and where you play? What is that? What is that thing that God's kind of put in your heart and maybe you you don't have it all figured out yet or in your mind to say, man, I want to be that for somebody else. Think about the people. Use an example of some of the people I talked about tonight and that's not to elevate them. They're not perfect. But when somebody goes out of their way to say an encouraging word, how can I be like that for somebody else? Because when we really think about it, when we think of the function of the body of Christ, it's a reflection of who Christ is. It's a reflection of what Christ has done. And we are called to a life to become more and more like Jesus each and every day. So I want to encourage you with those three things to speak the truth in love. That's also something you can do. You don't have to sign up for this. Speak the truth in love as you walk out of this place. Grow in Christ-centered character and help the other parts of the body grow. And that happens when you step out and do something or say something. Let me pray. God, we thank you for um, the truth of your word. We thank you for the ways in which two verses have so much packed into them that we don't even have time for it all tonight. I thank you so much, God, that as we think about what role we have to play in the different settings we find ourselves in, that we would just go and move into places and new ways to be your church, to new groups of people, to new places and spaces in our apartment complex, in our dorm rooms, in our workplaces, in our gyms. I pray, God, that we would... um, Be that wise person that is so in tune with you and your will. Pray, Lord, that we would find ways to lean into wise people, but we would also become that person as well. I pray, Lord, that as we think about being a recruiter to the cause of the kingdom of God, whether that's through an event or ministry of this church or whatever it is, Lord, that we would recruit people along with us, that we'd be infectious and inspiring to them, not because of ourselves and our own will, but because what you're doing in and through us by your grace. I pray, Lord, for the people in this room who are functioning as a shepherd, who are guiding and caring and just giving the ministry of presence to people in this room. I pray, Lord, that that would be life-giving, grace-filled. I pray for those who are great teachers. I pray that you would help us to lean into the fact that we need to listen to the scene, to hear what's going on, to see what's going on so that we can explain and unpack an idea and a thought to encourage somebody. God, we give this all to you. It's for your name and your fame and your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray.